morning, friends, and welcome to A Hasty Podcast. I'm Weston Hasty, and you're listening to A Hasty Podcast. I'm drinking out of my A Hasty Podcast mug, and you could be too. Get yours at magicmadmode.com or at westonhasty.com and go to the shop tab. Either location gets you to my shop where you can buy A Hasty Podcast mug, water bottle, wine tumbler, etc. Check it out. That's my ad. That's my advertisement. You made it. You survived it. Did you make it through my... What was it? 10-second ad? Hang on. Mm. For my audio-only listeners, uh, just so that you know I'm not I'm not lying. I am drinking out of my mug. My proof is in the sip. Mm. That sounds like um that sounds like an excellent like motto or tagline. I'm not sure what you call it. I'm not in marketing. That sounds like an excellent tagline or whatever for some kind of beverage, for some kind of coffee or something. It probably already exists. The proof is in the sip. Can I Google that? The proof, hang on, the proof is in the, obviously in the pudding is uh, the, the usual one. The proof is in the pudding is the very common saying. But what if we say the proof is in the sip? The first thing that comes, to, to, comes up in the results is what is the proof we will receive after investing in SIP? I don't know what SIP is, but I'm pretty sure what I was looking for was not investment <laughs> advice when I tested that. I don't think it's taken. I should take that when I open my coffee business. Good, good God. I am in no position to start a coffee business uh, whatsoever. So that's going to get stolen if anyone's listening to this and is interested in starting some kind of sipping beverage business. You're going to take it long before I do. <laughs> <laughs> the proof is in the sip. I like that. The proof is in the pudding. Where does that where does that come from? Hang on, I don't know how to <laughs> Okay, I'm trying to Google pudding. Okay, I'm sorry. I just spelled I just spelled pudding P-O-O-D-D-I-N-G. Pudding. The proof is in the pudding. Apparently, um all intelligence has left my every year that passes that I have like left like high school. Like, high school, not even college, just high school. Every year that has passed since then, I have just gotten dumber. No matter how much I try to educate myself, I have only gotten more stupid. The proof is in the pudding is the ta- Oh, I don't- oh, wait, hang on. I don't want to- I don't want to know what it means. I want to know its origination. See, we're doing this live. I don't know why- This is not- <laughs> This is not where this episode was going until I started. In Britain, dating back- Centuries, pudding meant more than a sweet dessert. The original was the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Oh, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Oh, hang on. This is on NPR.org, so it's probably well-researched. <laughs> I I would like to think, right? It was shortened proof of the pudding. Uh, it was shortened to the proof of the pudding. And then here in America, it morphed again to the proof is in the pudding. Did I just read this? It's shortened to the proof of the pudding. Oh. That is weird. The proof of the pudding. Apparently, the proof of the listening is in the correcting. What? Oh, sound by the music. Oh, yeah, because it's... <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what is this? I'm reading, apparently, the script from um, NPR's, like, audio, whatever, radio show. And I'm like, why am I getting <laughs> why am I getting sound cues? And it's like, because it's a, it's a script. Anyway, so uh, apparently... Apparently, you had to prove something was a pudding, and then to, once it was proven, right, it was the proof of the pudding. It was proof that it was pudding, and then in America, we just decided that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> apparently, and then we just created the proof, proof is in the pudding, which honestly, truly, probably makes even less sense. What does it mean, you know? Like, the proof is in the pudding. It's kind of like the knife is in the cake, or, or hammer, the hammer, you know, like um, in those, uh, I don't know, old dated TV shows or movies, or I don't even, I don't even know where, look, we, we could go on a whole diatribe of where I think, is that, I'm not using that word correctly, um, what, what about that diatribe? Uh, we could go on a whole tangent. Why did I jump to diatribe before tangent? Everyone's heard of the word tangent. No one knows what diatribe means. Anyway, we could go on a whole tangent of like where things have come from, but that is that is one of those things where you watch an old movie or something. I don't know where it came from, but we all know it exists. The whole the old like put a hammer or a key or a saw or something in a cake and you give it to like a prisoner, like you sneak it into prison to break somebody out, right? And that would be like the the tool is in the cake, but this is like the proof is in the pudding. What is the proof? I could imagine 
like a clue style like uh detective or mystery movie or show where probably a movie right this would be like unless it's a tv show this was a recurring thing where there were constantly clues in pudding but i'm imagining like a movie where the final clue that like solves the whole mystery somehow is this piece of proof inside the pudding i don't know if that's like because uh, someone died like of a heart attack and then you find out it's actually poison and then you find out that the poison was in the pudding he ate and then you had to like dissect the poison to like figure out if it you know what the poison was and whether or not I killed this guy and the proof is in the pudding right oh the pu- obviously he ate pudding the po- the pudding was poisoned and we know that the the local alchemist uh, po- uh cooked the pudding so he poisoned the pudding right but no the twist is that the proof is in the pudding and it wasn't poisoned it was some other thing where actually the alchemist has been trying to help the detective the whole time and he left a secret message in the pudding to try to warn the the, the baron that died that got poisoned and had his heart attack i'm creating the whole movie for you the baron ate this pudding and died of, of, of poisoning or whatever not not of poisoning he uh he died of what it seemed like poisoning and he ate this pudding. And the alchemist knew that there was a threat on the Baron's life. The alchemist couldn't get close to the Baron because he was in bad graces with the local guard and regency or whatever. So he left a clue in the pudding to try to warn the Baron. But he was too late. And the Baron was actually, like, I don't know, murdered by the Baroness who was trying to seize power, who the entire time in the movie was actually super distraught and weepy and sad to see him go, and and she was not prepared for her newfound responsibility, so we wouldn't suspect that all along she got just what she wanted. And we find out right at the end that she murdered him, like, by setting him up with, I don't know, something, probably, all I can think of is more poison. (laughs) All I can think of is more poison, a different poison. Now, how, how can you kill a person... Okay, this is this this podcast is taking a hard left turn, but I swear this is fiction. How do you kill a person <laughs> and make it look like poison, but it's not poison? I am not versed in the art of murder to know how to do that. Because you want you want a way to kill somebody that makes it look like it's poison, but the poison you're making it look like is supposed to make it look like a heart attack. It's like three layers of of murderception. I'm going to say that that is a joke question. You do not need to inform me. Or do, I guess. <laughs> tell me tell me your murder tips on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Weston Hasty. Uh, you can use the hashtag Hasty Podcast. Tell me how do you murder a man <laughs> but and make it look like poisoning, but it's not poisoning. How do we do that? I can't think of anything other than, like, other poisons, right? Like, like, how do you... I don't know. I'm, like, actually legitimately trying... Because you can't do it, like, with a weapon. Because that's going to leave, like, bruising or bleeding. Like, cuts if it's, like, sharp. Bruising if it's, like, bludgeoning. This is, like, a dark topic. This is a dark topic. But, like, you... Listen. As someone who runs a D&D campaign, it would be fun one day. I don't have a really super politically focused D&D campaign right now. It's more, like adventuring and action or whatever but imagine i'm imagining in my brain what if i wanted to run like a mystery right a mystery or political intrigue campaign i mean maybe you're a writer maybe you write stories maybe you're a screenwriter maybe you're making movies i'm doing the DD thing there's uh, situations in fiction where it's okay to contemplate right i'm not crazy we're not gonna lock me up for a thought crime here it's not crazy to contemplate murder when you don't plan on killing anybody, right? Right? Am I am I spending too long on this topic? Is everyone starting to get suspicious? Like, who is Weston planning to kill? I don't have any enemies. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, that has taken an entire... I said we wouldn't take a tangent on this, and then we took a tangent on this. And this all studded, started with the proof is in the pudding. Actually, it started with me spelling pudding wrong, right? No, anyway. Studded. It all studded. Oh my gosh. I am completely... This is not where this uh, podcast was going today. But welcome to a hasty podcast. I like the chaos sometimes. I, li- I like the chaos of a podcast that just kind of winds its way around topics that aren't necessarily clearly defined. Which is interesting because I've tried in the... Uh, like. I say in the past, but like recent past. Like I try to like kind of have a topic for each podcast, I, I, like a main topic or two main topics, something like that to keep me on 
on track, on task. And I, I do think that's a good idea. I'm not saying that that's a bad idea, but I also like, just in my own manner of speaking, my own manner of talking, I do also like just spiraling down these tangents. I think it comes from the fact that I do Let's Plays on YouTube. And I stream now. I used to do Let's Plays. I, I, do, I, I do almost entirely streaming now, which they're Let's Play streams. Don't get me wrong. It's all gaming content. If you don't know about this, it's Magic Man Mo on YouTube. Look me up. Uh, give, me a, give me a good subscribal over there. I'd appreciate it. Magic Man Mo. There's no E in Mo, unless you're crazy. Anyway, I think it comes from that. I think it comes from that where when you're playing games, obviously you can talk about the game at large. There's that to discuss. And when you're streaming, you can talk with chat. There's like... Those are two avenues of potential conversation. One, where you're talking to chat because chat is talking to you. And the other one is talking about the game because you're playing a video game. But then there's a third avenue is where there's nothing that interesting happening in the game to talk about. Or there's no chat to talk to because, say, maybe you're not streaming or maybe you're a small streamer and you don't have a chat watching. But... I, originating in Let's Plays, didn't stream. I just made videos. So there was no chat possibility. I don't know why I said it like that. There was no chat possibility. So I had to come up with my own conversation. That avenue was gone. Either I could talk about the game, or I had to talk about something else. And I think that's where this comes from. This is a piece of advice, too. This is just advice I'm going to give for anybody out there wanting to start doing gaming content of the Let's Play variety on YouTube or even Twitch, whatever, if you're streaming, if you're going to go start streaming or if you're going to start making videos, this applies to both. Because when you start streaming, probably no one's going to be watching you, so it's best that you just pretend you're making a video instead of, like, streaming to nobody. A lot of people stream to nobody and they're just, like, deadpan, right? They're not interesting, they're not talking, because you're just playing a game, right? If you're just playing a game by yourself in your room or something like that, you're probably not animated, moving your arms, talking in voices, talking out loud at all, you know, not really being engaging, because because when you're in your room by yourself, it's just all in your head, it's all head stuff, what's going on in your brain, there's a theater of the mind, you don't need to impress yourself, it's all happening in your head, but when you're on camera, it's a different story, so a lot of people jump into streaming or Let's Plays, and they don't know what they're, they're doing yet, they don't have a footing, they don't know their, like, charisma, they don't know how to be interactive, so that's what I recommend, is that imagine no one's watching you, but someone will be watching you. Even if you're live, imagine no one's watching you, but imagine someone will be watching you. And keep that up through the entire thing. Streaming is hard, because if you're doing that for, God, three, four, five, six, seven hours, people stream a long time. <laughs> I try to keep my streams down to like two hours. It's That's plenty. I, I would like to do more, but in my current schedule, two hours is plenty. Um, since I stream so late at night. If I could stream earlier, like, I usually stream, like, 8 to 10 my time. If I could start at, like, 4 or 6, I could pull off, like, 4 or 6-hour streams or something like that, probably. But anyway, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't stream professionally. Anyway, I'm getting on a, a tangent on my tangent. The point is, my advice is to learn how to talk to yourself, but not just about the game. Just about anything that comes to your mind because eventually you're going to come to a situation where if you're only used to talking about the game, when the game is doing something boring, you're like you're playing Skyrim and you're out in the wasteland and you can't fast travel because you haven't been to the next location, right? And you're just traveling and nothing's happening. You're just on the road or whatever. Nothing funny's happening. There's nothing to talk about. And you got to have your own method of finding something to talk about, which could be about anything. It could be about your day. If you're, if you're really struggling, how's your day been? Most people think their day, their day-to-day -day life is boring. So it's very difficult to talk about your day because you're like, well, I don't want to talk about work because God knows if someone at work heard this or saw this. You don't want to talk about this. Like say you work I don't know, in an office. You don't want Sharon freaking giving you sass at the water cooler because you were talking smack about her on last night's stream. You don't want to do that. So this is where the improv starts kind of coming out. You have to start developing these improv skills where you have to improvise a topic from out of the ether. So you're like, okay, well, um, squirrels are kind of funny, aren't they? <laughs> like you're going down Skyrim. There's no squirrels in Skyrim, but you're like out in the wilderness, right? So you're like, nature, okay, squirrels. 
kind of funny creatures. They collect thousands of nuts, and they can't find any of them. They hide them, have no idea where they are. Their tracking skills, abysmal, 0 out of 10 animal. Have you guys ever seen zoo, uh, zoo tier? What's it called? Tier zoo? Whatever? Where they do tier lists of zoo animals? Or not just zoo animals, but all animals? See, now, I'm not actually trying to talk about that, but that was my improv. I had no intention of going that direction. I started with squirrels. I thought they were silly. I gave my opinion of why they're silly. And now we're talking. We're just jumping, jumping, jumping. Now I've mentioned another YouTube channel. I don't remember what it's called. It's, it's Tier Zoo or something like that. They're pretty cool. They like, pit animals against each other uh, theoretically and rate them on whether or not they're better or worse at this, that, or the other. They don't actually pit animals against each other like in a fighting pit. That would be... That would not be okay. That would be... That would not be... That would not come with my recommendation. Let's put it that way. Anyway... Improvise a topic. This is the advice I give is that if you're doing a video or stream of gaming and you know no one's going to be watching it, pretend someone will be watching it because that's a, the objective, right? And keep that up. It's, 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 it's a skill you have to develop. You don't, a lot of people don't just jump into doing it and learn that right away. But I do see a lot of beginning streamers and Let's Players because I like to every now and again go on little searches looking for like small time streamers or small time let's players or something and just pop in and see what's going on and just try to like know what I, honestly I should do it the other way around there's so many huge streamers and let's players that I don't know anything about that I've literally never heard of and I don't even know what's popular on YouTube anymore but I no instead I do this I I, I peek I peep in on some small timers I'm a small timer too so like small time compared to me is pretty small, right? Like, nobody's watching. And I like to peep in, see what's going on, you know, that kind of thing. See what, like, I don't know. I, I feel like there are things you can learn by watching other people make mistakes. Obviously, there's a lot to learn by making your own mistakes as well, but I think a lot of people trying to hone their craft on anything look to really good artists or great artists and they're trying to figure out what they're doing right and trying to emulate that. And there's 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 a rationale behind that. Looking at someone who does what they do really well, trying to figure out why that is or how that is, and trying to emulate that. Not necessarily copy it, but emulate it to a degree to try to figure out how to turn that into yours. There, there is something to be said about that. There is also something to be said about... Um, not... There's something to be said about not ignoring the value in mistakes. Watching yourself make mistakes and learning how to improve from them. And then of course, watching other people make mistakes and figuring out why they're mistakes. Not just what to avoid necessarily, but also like what makes a mistake a mistake. Like what is it about this channel or show or whatever that isn't working and why? Am I doing that? How do I avoid that? Like, it's, it's a sort of meta, meta analysis. It's very important. So, anyway, that was an entire tangent about improv, talking. I, I literally improv that entire thing. So, I, I guess you could say that, that, like, I'm not terrible at it, I guess. I don't know. I, I've, I've tried to develop that skill over the years of me doing this. I'm actually kind of... Okay, this is not what I sat down to do this podcast about, but I guess we're doing it. I, I It's on my mind because I'm coming up to... One, I've got a small thing coming up this month. Um, Hang on. What's the... When is the 14th, which is Valentine's Day? That is the 14th. It's on a Monday. So the 13th, I think... I need to double check with my schedule. Off the top of my head, I don't know my own calendar. It's on my phone, and I can't access my phone right now because it's also my camera for the podcast. I, the 13th or the 15th, I don't remember which. It might be the 14th, but I don't think so. One of those two days, I'm doing a... Uh, on my Magic Man Mo YouTube channel that I mentioned, I'm doing a second episode of A Date with Mo. It's a sequel to... Uh, the first one of those that I did a year ago? Yeah, last February. It, fe it feels like a very long time ago. Last February, I, I did a stream called A Date with Mo uh, for February for like Valentine's Day or whatever. It was just kind of themed around that. And at the time, I was planning on doing these different themed special streams once a month. Um, that got hard derailed for reasons I'm not going to get into on this episode. Just 
stuff happened and then my plan fell apart is what happened so anyway I was gonna do these like themed special streams every month and I didn't really get to do that but I did get to do one in February and that was of course a Valentine's Day themed special episode and it was called a date with Mo where I sort of emulated a um, fictitious date between myself and the chat that uh, got to interact with the stream on some level and interact with where the date would kind of go, what we'd kind of discuss, and that kind of thing. And it went over very well. I actually got kind of TikTok popular for a little bit. I don't want to say TikTok famous because I think that insinuates that I still have some level of fame. I have one famous video, right, that um, is a clip that came from that stream. So that stream means a lot to me because it was a very well-received stream at the time. It birthed a, a, my most popular TikTok video of all time, that kind of thing, a very meaningful stream. I have a sequel to it coming out this month and I'm trying to organize it right now. And it's going to be, way back then, I was going to, everyone voted on and we successfully kicked off a, um, like, like I had a membership if you became a member on the channel if I got so many members on the channel I forget what the what the goal was like 15 members or something I don't remember what it was what the goal was and if we got there I promised a karaoke stream it didn't happen because of said derailment that I mentioned earlier whoops I made a promise and I kind of broke it but I'm not gonna break it forever it's going to happen just significantly later than I said it would I'm, I'm sorry I this is why I don't make promises I I'm very bad at them. If I promise something, I try to stick to it. I really do. But anyway, it's going to happen this month. A date with Mo, the karaoke stream. Now, there are going to be some twists that I'm not going to talk about on this podcast. There's going to be some twists in that stream. But the point is, I'm organizing that. And as I'm organizing this, I realize that I have that stream, which is the sequel to a very important stream that I had last year. So I want to make it good. Right? So it's kind of a big deal in terms of streams that I plan for and prepare for. it. This one's going to be a little bit more preparation than I'm used to, like, doing. And I got, I got to thinking about the importance of, like, working on this stream. And I also got to thinking, wait a minute. I did la the last one in 2021. This is 2022. I started uploading videos to my YouTube channel at all in June 2012. So as I'm preparing for... This uh, kind of important stream on a minor level, minor level important stream, I realized, oh my god, in June, I have to do something for my 10-year anniversary of making content on YouTube, which, one, is, uh, it brings a bunch of mixed emotions. <laughs> on, on the one hand, it's very exciting, happy to do it. I love, love to see the growth and support on the channel that I've seen. On the other hand, it's been 10 years that I'm still like so, so small. Like I feel like what, like every, every bit of progress I've made on that channel, I've like made a big deal of, but also like in the grand scale of the cosmos on YouTube, I'm still like such a tiny French fry um, on the channel. So on the it's mixed mo emotions where it's like, I've been doing this for 10 years and this is all I've done. But also I've been doing this for 10 years and I've gotten a lot done. So it's like very mixed emotions. It's very, uh, opposite of each other. So I have that coming in June. That's gonna, going to have to be huge. And I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how it's going to turn out. I'm still in the planning stages, not even the preparing stages. I'm in the planning stages of it right now um so I, i'm still like running some concepts by myself to see what i want to do i want to do some kind of sort of uh, um uh, what, what's it Co not combination what's the word Co collaboration no collage no collection no what's the word i'm looking for i think it's a c word where it's like a compilation like a compilation of like uh, some of the best videos over the years or something like that. Some kind of compilation of stuff I've done. Something like that as well as something that's like um, a looking forward type thing. I don't know. I want it to be big somehow. Maybe the return of the 24-hour stream. If I can get a 24-hour stream squeezed in, that would be dope. Because um, that's, that's, that's a lot of effort. I'll tell you what. Doing a 24-hour stream is a lot of energy. So I don't know if it's going to be that, but it's going to be big somehow i call that like medium priority or not medium priority but like like a medium-sized 
it feels like a big size project, but once it's over and done with, it's like over and done with basically. So I'm gonna just call it like a medium sized project. It's a, it's a pretty big project because I'm used to really not doing projects at all, right? I, I just kind of sit down and stream or make a video. Those aren't really projects, they're just like tasks, right? You got like tasks, you got like projects. So like doing one stream is a task, doing one video, it's a task. This uh, upcoming stream that is being planned for and prepared, the, 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 the date with Mo part two is a small project. It, it's, it's a little bit more than a task, a little bit more involved, but it's not crazy. This thing coming up in June, medium sized project because it's like gonna be two to three times probably bigger in scope than this upcoming stream or at least that's what i'm going to try to keep it and try to not keep it I'm, I'm going to try to keep it from getting any larger than that i can't i don't want to like overexert myself on this thing and then everything fall apart at the end and it's just too much for me to handle or something like that it's going to be a medium-sized project i've got a very large project however this is going to be a very big year this is why i'm thinking about you know the channel the magic man Mo channel thinking about advice that i have and thinking about like how to like uh sort of better my own channel and why meta analysis is kind of on my mind right now because i have a very large project coming up later this year that i can't disclose any information about whatsoever i say whatsoever and here i am kind of like dancing around the subject anyway um that uh is in part to do with my channel and in part to do with a, 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 a another entity entirely a third party a second party what would it be? If, if I'm party number one, they would be party number two. We're both the same party. No, we're not the same party. We're both two different parties in two different areas. I've got a large project. I'm collaborating with another entity, another party, <laughs> to make something very big uh, by the end of the year. And it involves me and everything that I do on this channel. And it involves them and everything that they do and smashing them together and ideally it'll be a big deal for what i release uh, on the magic man mode channel like i'll have like teasers and videos and that sort of thing come up it has a lot to do with that as well as once it's done once the project's done not only will it be like a thing for people to see and 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 experience but it will continue to exist beyond that release the release of this project isn't like a one and done stream because I'm used to streaming, uh, usually when someone streams, say, a game or whatever for two, three hours or whatever the case might be, people show up, they watch it while it's live, and then when it's not live anymore, people don't usually go and watch, like, streams. Uh, unless you're, like, a passionate fan uh, that missed the stream, you might, the day or two after the stream aired, try to catch up on what you missed. Unless you're a passionate fan like that, most people don't. A week from now, if I stream something tonight, a week from now, no one's really going back and watching that stream. Or let alone a month from now, going back and watching that stream. This project that I'm working on for the end of the year, towards the end of the year, it shouldn't be quite the end of the year. I don't want to say what month it's supposed to be done by because I don't want there to be any clues or hints about what it is or about or anything like that. I don't want people to speculate. I just have a big project towards the end of the year. And once it's done, it will be something that people can experience then and there, as well as beyond then and there. So this will be um, very exciting. So that's it's a very busy year all of a sudden for someone who's not used to like having projects to work on. I mean, I call everything that I do a project because everything that I do in some way is a project. Like my YouTube channel itself is a project. But, you know, I, what I mean is just... Like, making one Let's Play video or making one TikTok short or whatever is not in itself a project. But as a whole, my YouTube channel is a massive project that I've been doing for a decade almost now. Um, so, of course, that's a massive project. But in terms of someone who, like, for every little ta like every little piece of that larger project, I'm, are, they are not, I'm not used to those being projects in and of themselves. I hope that makes sense. And now I have, like three of them this year at least that uh, I know about so far unless more come my way throughout the year um like I said this one coming up in a week uh when this airs it'll be Wednesday so in less than a week uh from now that will be um, a minor project it was something that was a bit of extra work for me but shouldn't really um 
shouldn't really feel huge to the, to the viewer. It should be fun and exciting and different and special, but not like it's not. You're not gonna watch that date with most streaming and be like, oh my god, like he must have spent. Ten billion dollars putting this together. The production value is insane. No, it's, it's the production value is going to be very similar to what you always see, just a little more amped up on my end. But that's about it. Um, so that's like a minor project, and then that will be done, and then I'll be down to just two projects to focus on and worry about. Especially since um, the really big project by the end of the year, um, I uh, need to start on it right away. Where, uh, in terms of that project, we're still at the conception phase, kind of, of that large project, where we're putting together ideas and um, actually, like, training to do the things that we needed to do for the coming months, basically. So this is like a like training month, preparing month, or whatever. Um, and then by the end of the month, we're supposed to have a, a game plan um, for how to tackle this entire project. We're going to break it down into segments, basically. So that we can have each segment done each month so that we know progress is being made. It's not like a procrastination thing where all of a sudden you have to have everything done in one week. It's going to be like, no, this is already done. Don't have to touch it. Next segment. That's, we finish it. That's done. Don't need to touch it. Next segment. That kind of thing. And then obviously if something happens along the way, we have to go back and fix something. You can go back and fix something. But it'll be, it'll be like that. So, and that involves me. I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of learning new skills. And then also I need to put together like a practice run. I don't know what to call it. I'm gonna call it a practice run uh, because I don't know what else to call it without giving information away about what it is. Uh, we're gonna put together a practice run that is like a, a, a tiny, like a tiny scaled version of the bigger project to be like, just again, as proof of concept. And then that should be put together sometime in March. And then the whole thing comes out way later. You guys won't see the proof of concept in March. Whatever we come up with, that proof of concept thing, we have to put together a small thing as proof of concept. And um, I'll probably release that eventually. But it won't be until, like, way later. <laughs> like, way, way later. Probably after the project actually comes out. It'll be, like, bonus content or something. Possibly. Hopefully. I would like to do that. But we'll see, again, since it's not just me in charge or whatever. So, that's what I'm working on. It's very big and I'm very excited about it. Which, I mean, it's going to be a, a pretty big year. Uh, last year felt like a really big year, too, interestingly enough. Despite all the previously stated derailment stuff, in terms of the channel, it was, like, huge growth seen on that channel. And I got featured in a video game that you can play right now. So this is going to be another advertisement for something that I actually don't I don't make any money on it or anything. I just think it's really cool and you should definitely check out. Is uh, Magic Man Mode Jig Trap on Android Play. If you have like, or what, what is that? What, uh, Google Play. The, the, the uh, Android. If you have an Android mobile device, go to Google Play, type in Magic Man Mode Jig Trap. I think it's actually listed as uh, jig Magic Man Mo trap um, for reasons, just the way I don't know, man. I'm not in charge of that. For reasons, it's listed very strangely. I think it's Jig Magic Man Mo trap. But if you type in Magic Man Mo Jig trap, you should still find it. Actually, honestly, if you just type in Magic Man Mo, I bet you'll find it. I have a mobile game. It's not mine, uh, but I'm featured in it as the main protagonist. You should definitely download it, install it, play it, give it a five-star review. Last time I looked at it, it had something like 10,000 plus downloads. I don't know the exact download number, and I don't, uh, because Google just has, the, it has those like milestones on an app. You've probably noticed it when you like download a popular app and it's like five million plus downloads or whatever, you know? Uh, I don't know what their tiers are. I think it's like, there's one that's like 100 plus, there's one that's like 1,000 plus, there's one that's like 5,000 plus, there's one that's 10,000 plus. I don't know what the next tier after 10,000 is. I don't know if it jumps to 20,000. I don't know if it's 50. I don't know what the next tier is that it like lists it in. So the last time I looked, it was at like the 10,000 plus. So I don't know, I don't know how many downloads it's had or whatever. I'd like to see that number go up. Share it with your friends. More people should play it in five star. I just think it's really cool. It features me. I'm definitely not biased. You definitely can't go down into the... <laughs> down into the ratings and see my uh, my own personal five-star review that I gave it you definitely can't see that no that's definitely not there definitely not biased mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
anyway, that's that's my what second advertisement here on the podcast already. You're listening to a Hasty podcast, just in case you forgot. I'm Weston Hasty. I didn't properly introduce myself this episode, but if you've made it this far, you either already know me or you're uh, committed, I, I guess, at this point. Welcome. I'm glad you've made it this far. As you can tell, I do YouTube Let's Plays and streams. I do a number of other things as well, um, but mostly it's YouTube Let's Plays and streams. Um, and I'm working on some other stuff. I'm woefully behind on other stuff. But it's I've got a lot left in this year to do. So I like to make things. I like to make things, including this podcast. I write some poetry on the side. I have a vlog channel that I'm desperately trying to get around to making more content for this year. And I haven't done it. I call it a vlog channel, but it's not really, like, there's not really a vlog series on it right now. It's just, like random videos and not random like lol random but random as in like one video covers a topic like the huel episode that i did right like something happens that i make an episode about like something i unpackage or something i like i go on a on a run and i have something to say or something and i do that i have that i have a mobile gaming channel that i want to bring back because i still really like the concept of it gotta bring it back I got lots of stuff that I like to make. I like to make stuff. That's me. Welcome to my podcast. What we were going to talk about this podcast, and what I guess I could talk about for the rest of this podcast, is um, a couple of video games. Since we've been talking about Let's Plays and video games and gaming, uh, I do a Let's Play channel. If you've been watching my YouTube channel, you already know what I've been kind of playing on there. Here's a couple of games that I haven't been playing for my YouTube channel, but rather I've been playing for myself that I would like to talk about just a little bit. Um, actually, uh, mostly just one. Uh, let, let me. Uh, it's, actually, I was gonna. I was gonna mention one. One of the games I was gonna mention was Overcooked. <laughs> and I realized that no, I did play that for my YouTube. I literally played it with Ian. Uh, as on one of my Friday night with the guys, I do this thing on Friday nights where I get together with me and at least one other uh, guy. It doesn't have to be a man, but it's it's one of my friends who happen to be guys. So we've usually got Ian, we've usually got TJ, and uh, sometimes we have Wiley, and the four of us will like play a game. Uh, last time we just had Ian, so I just played something that's like a two-player type game. We played Overcooked, and I was gonna talk about Overcooked, but I realized I've actually I streamed that. Sometimes the Friday night with the guys don't really feel like actual streams because it's just a very different vibe and very different atmosphere. Because of course I'm chatting with them, and there's more than just my personality shining through in those streams. But I was, I was gonna talk about Overcooked. I guess I still can just briefly. Because obviously you can just check that stream out if you wanted to. Even though I already said people don't go back and check out streams. Overcooked, it gave me a lot of the same vibes as Cook Serve Delicious. Which is another game I've played. But mechanically the gameplay is very different. And Cook Serve Delicious, that's a game where you have to like type buttons on your keyboard really fast. Put together recipes and make food for people um, out of your like food truck or whatever. And serve them very quickly. It's very speed. It's very overwhelming with all the orders coming in. That's just what... Um, Overcooked remind me reminded me of but instead of smashing out letters on your keyboard to put together recipes You do have to move your character around uh, The map to put together like food so like you might have to grab a fish and that's on one side of the kitchen You have to run it to the other side of the kitchen to like chop it up on the chopping board Then run it over to the grill to grill it up and you stick it on a plate And that's a piece of a, a like part of a food or whatever And then you have to slap something else on the plate and send it off and deliver it the recipes themselves are relatively simple. The real uh, challenge, actually, in this game, to contrast it to Cook, Serve, Delicious, a lot of the recipes themselves are very difficult. The, to contrast that in, in, in uh, Overcooked, the difficulty doesn't come so much from the recipes. They're not that hard to grasp. There's a little bit of a learning curve, learning what you have to do with, with each item, sure. But the real difficulty comes from actually managing your space and running back and forth between areas to do the prep work necessary to get your recipe done while the map itself often changes or presents itself in in difficult settings so you might have to do a lot of running around obstacles to get to things that you need to so that takes up time and the longer it takes you to get a dish out the less money you make on it or you could the, the customer could leave angry and you not even serve it at all and then you don't make enough money and then you don't like pass the level or there's also like moving obstacles, like where parts of the map move, either moving obstacles into your way, moving sections of the kitchen to different sections of the kitchen. It's very chaotic. 
things are constantly moving, it's very easy to get disorganized and lose yourself. But on top of that, it's a multiplayer game, so it was me and Ian playing. You'd think, oh, well, there's two people running around doing everything. It should make everything twice as easy. Well, you could also run into each other, right? You could run into each other. You can't pass through each other, so you can very easily get into each other's way. There's limited counter space, so you can, like, be putting stuff on the counter to get it out of your way and accidentally put it into your friend's way. Um, if you don't coordinate and you put together the wrong dish and send out the wrong dish, um, the way the maps are often set up, it also pits the two players in such a way that one person has to like focus on one thing and the other person has to focus on another. And if you don't successfully do that, um, or like one person falls behind, it takes down the other person. So you have to like coordinate and figure out who's best at working on what. And it's very, it's, it was a lot of fun. It was very overwhelming. I found myself early on putting myself in charge of things that I thought were simple enough for me to, to do and, and, and Ian was in charge of things that were simple enough for him to do. Like, we, we would kind of find our niche, the thing that we'd like to do. Like, I was getting overwhelmed with some of the cooking stuff, so I would get, like, put in charge of just, I'll do all the chopping and then I'll chuck the food over to Ian to do all the cooking, basically, for example. Or, like, I would do the dishes and then he would be in charge of, like, plating food, that kind of thing. Well, and then we got to, like, a level where the roles completely reversed, where we couldn't, like, swap sides of the map, and where we were on the map forced me to do some cooking and forced him to do some of the stuff I was doing. So I still had to actually learn the game, the parts of the game that I hadn't been learning at all up to that point. I'm like, oh, no. And I was getting that overwhelmed sensation of, like, panic, which uh, often is not a very fun feeling to... Um, to have in real life to be like overwhelmed and panic all the time in real life but when it's a video game setting and the stakes are really low it just created this frantic sense of urgency to everything that you did that kind of gave me like this uh, thrilling rush of excitement to get everything done as quickly as I could and as efficiently as I could same kind of like fun that you get from like cook serve delicious that overwhelming panic sensation in a video game where the stakes are low isn't bad so it sounds like it's panic inducing, um, but I, it's a lot of fun if you just remind yourself it's a video game. If you lose, you can just do the level again. Or what was often the case uh, between Ian and me, we wouldn't get three stars. There, there were three stars you could earn in each level. And I don't know what if it unlocks anything later. I don't know what we do with the stars, but we decided that we were always gonna go for three stars in each level, try to do the very best. And we did, we played like 18 levels and got three stars on all of them. So we, we three-starred all of them that we managed to play on stream. And it was a lot of fun trying to like get to that top. Actually, we, we I think we played 20 levels because there was it was like 18 main levels and like two bonus levels that we unlocked that we did as well. And uh, so something like that, 20 levels at three stars or something in the couple hours that we played. Actually, I think we, I think we put three or four hours into that actually. We lost track of time and it was a lot of fun. So. If you have it, and that was Overcooked 2, actually, I should say. I think I said Overcooked earlier. I should uh, say it was actually Overcooked 2 that we were playing. I haven't played the original. I hadn't played the second game until just the other day. So, Overcooked 2 is what we were playing. Definitely comes recommended if you have a friend to play it with. It was a lot of fun, especially if you don't mind the sort of panic-inducing urgency that comes with running around in a kitchen not knowing what to do half the time. It's great. That was one game I wanted to talk about, but I forgot that I, I literally streamed. I literally forgot that I streamed that game. Anyway, the other game I've been playing, though, and it's not been on stream whatsoever, and I can't decide if it's a game that I want to stream. I kind of don't want to stream it because I've already made so much progress on my current campaign, and if I streamed it, I'd want to like start over, start fresh for people. But it also brings up like the question in my head, like, do I want to stream this kind of game? Would it do well on my channel? It might be something I try on my YouTube channel, and if it doesn't work, it might be something that I do on Twitch for giggles once a week. The, you know, this type of game. It's an RPG. It's a, like a party party building tactics based RPG. It's Pathfinder Kingmaker. I'll just tell you the name. If you're familiar with it, then you're familiar with it. If you're not, allow me to explain. That is what I'm here for. It's Pathfinder Kingmaker. It was a game that was um, originally kickstarted some years ago, uh, forever ago, and it's based on Pathfinder, which is a uh, tabletop RPG game that is based on Dungeons and Dragons 3, uh, Edition 3.5. So if you're familiar with the idea of Dungeons & Dragons being a tabletop RPG where you 
you have a party of friends that go on adventures being led by the dm and your party members do different abilities and it's like a fantasy setting you're familiar with the concept of dnd even if you haven't played it dnd 3.5 we're currently in fifth edition 3.5 was many many years ago now and it was a lot more complicated and complex than the current game of D&D is with a lot more numbers and statistics and all kinds of rules that don't just either don't exist in D&D 5th edition which is where we're not at now um, they either don't exist in 5e or they're much more simplified in 5e that's why we've seen such a resurgence in the popularity of Dungeons and Dragons in recent years because 5th edition has made the game far more accessible and therefore more and more people are willing to try it 3.5 years ago very difficult to get into I tried to just make a character in 3.5 many years ago and just didn't understand what I was making because I didn't understand any of the skills or stats or any of that stuff Granted, it was also my first foray into D&D. We did, I didn't have anybody with me. Uh, there was three of us. We were trying to figure out how to like put together a D&D game. None of us had played D&D before, so we didn't even have anyone with experience. Gave up on the concept entirely. Just gave up on it entirely. Gave up on 3.5. So that was my experience with 3.5 forever ago. Pathfinder is based on 3.5. So this game that I'm playing, and I've been playing a lot of it, is already based on a system that I already have kind of some negative experience with as being far too complicated. And I still stand by that. It's still far too complicated, but at least since it's a computer game, since it's a video game, a lot of the stat tracking and all of that stuff is being taken care of by the computer. And I appreciate that. The only problem with that is that I don't always understand why things work or don't work. So, it's a fantasy-based game. You create a character. Uh, you can pick whatever class you want that character to be. There's rogue, wizard, sorcerer, uh, ranger, fighter, paladin, cleric. A lot of the classic things. Some special things maybe you haven't heard of. There's some multi-class um, classes that you can't choose right, right out of the gate because you need a few levels before you can jump into like Eldritch Knight or Arcane Trickster that kind of stuff so just don't panic about that you create a character at level 1 um, pick your class, roll your stat we well, you don't roll your stats, you, like, you get a, um, a pool that you can draw from you set your stats the way you want it to and to, you know, to an extent, you do that create your character, go out into the world you find out that um there is this area, this region called the Stolen Lands. It's been stolen, I guess, by these um, bandits and the, their bandit king. And you're being basically um, commissioned by this... I don't know what her position is. She's, uh, I can't even think of her first name right now. The Al, but it's the Al, Aldori, Aldori Sword Lords. So, so she's like a sword lord, which is like a... Uh, a high position. She owns like a manor, an estate of some kind, and she's commissioning the party. There's this party of several people. I think it's like 10 people that are like characters or something like that to go into the Stolen Lands, clear it of its bandits, and whichever person of that party comes out on top as like the clear leader of the group will be awarded a barony and those lands to baron over so that's the idea that's what you're being set up to do and like i said it's a very complicated game to jump into so i recommend if you want to play it because i do actually recommend this game it's a lot of fun but it's very difficult especially if you're not familiar with all of the rules and complexities that come with pathfinder so i recommend playing it on easy or on normal with some modified rules to make it a little easier. So somewhere between easy and normal, but not necessarily right on normal if you're jumping into it for the first time. I recommend, I literally recommend easy for first time players that are not familiar with Pathfinder. If you're familiar with Pathfinder, know what you're doing. You can try to jump into it on normal, but do be aware that it is brutal and it is difficult and it expects you to take rests. Uh, like in the middle of an, an encounter or not in the middle of an encounter but in the middle of like a series of encounters to be able to like retreat and rest and manage resources and know what stats are and blah 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 there's a lot expected of you as the player so if you know what pathfinder is and you know what you're doing you'll have a much easier time of it but if you don't like me had no idea don't start on normal the first time i ever played this game on normal i destroyed so many characters builds didn't know how to build a character they were seriously nerfed 
I spent weeks and weeks in game just wasting time running back and forth between uh, my main hideout to rest after fighting like bands of a like bands of kobolds or whatever. Like I would go into a seriously what should have been an easy encounter and get my actual butt handed to me and then have to run away for days on end. It was terrible. I hated it. I've come back to it again with some modified difficulty settings. I, I'm basically playing on normal because I've got some experience with the game now after my first failure, but with some modified rules. I recommend that you turn on the rule for your companions to just level up themselves so that you don't screw up their builds. Um, you can you can focus on leveling up your own character and playing with those systems. I recommend that so that you learn the systems, but just let the companions level themselves up. Don't level don't level them up yourself. Just, just don't do it. Just don't worry about it. Um, and then also change, just look at all the settings, change them as you think makes more, the most sense, that kind of thing. Don't be afraid to change the settings to easier than the game starts you on as the quote unquote like recommended normal settings. Go, go easier than that. It's a lot of fun. It takes over, it takes place over long stretches of time. Like I said, you have to like take out this bandit king and you get like three months to do it before you're gonna fail it because these other like political minded um, um, forces are gonna suddenly become aware of the area and come down and take it from you. So you have to kind of like get rid of the bandit king and set up your barony all before that happens. So you, you have, you're, you're given a three month deadline to do it. And that sounds like a long time until you realize that, you know, traveling between areas on this huge map can take a lot of time. It goes hour by hour, but like the further away you get from like your sort of main headquarters, you can go like a whole day just to get to some place. And then of course, if you need to go back another day and then a day to go here, a day to go there, a day to explore this or that. And the days start adding up really fast as you're wandering back and forth throughout the map, basically searching one for the bandits, bandit king's lair because no one knows where his fortress is exactly uh, because the entire area has been covered in this mysterious magical fog that you also have to go searching for the source of this fog to destroy it basically so that you can find the bandit king so of course typical fantasy quests start coming up you have to destroy this fog you have to gather companions you find out that you have like a rival who's working against you but is what's going on with his motives and what's going on there is a little unclear i say his which is kind of a spoiler but it's it's not there's like a twist when you find out who the your rival is but it's not because at the beginning of the game it's like so it's so obvious they, they they're, they're not hiding it they're not tartuccio it's tartuccio tartuccio is evil there's other characters in the game that are evil but tartuccio is obviously your rival he's nothing but antagonistic to you and then when there's a surprise surprise the twist is he's working for someone else it's it's not it's not a surprise it's just fun it's just fun don't take the game too too seriously there's some serious elements in it for sure but the, the the whole beginning like mission of finding out that tartuccio is not a good guy is hilarious because it's 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 obvious from the onset <laughs> it's obvious from the onset so that's a little bit of a spoiler for like early game but um i think it's okay because it's very 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 early game and it's very 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 obvious <laughs> so anyway and he becomes a recurring rival which i really like he becomes a recurring rival that shows up in the game and tries to thwart you doing stuff and that's really fun having this rival it reminds me of, like playing pokemon right like and like having someone harass you every few levels that you every few areas that you progress in pokemon they're like ha let's see how far you've grown here's my new pokemon and you're like haha i have grown here's mine you do battle it's like that i like having a rival that re reoccurs in a video game it's fun it makes you makes you feel the sense of progression like you're obviously progressing and you're obviously leveling up but you also get to compare that to someone else that you're also seeing level up and progress and it's just really fun the first time, like, I, I ran into Tartuccio after a while, and he just straight up fireballs my entire party. And I'm like, I knew, I know you didn't have that spell before. I know you didn't. So I know you're at least level five now. And he just opens with fireball and knocks out, like, half my, the health of half my party or something like that. It was just great. I'm like, oh, good. If you're familiar with D&D, you know how broken fireball is. He just whips out fireball on the party. I'm like, oh, good. Fantastic. Love to see it. <laughs> that was that was hairy and hectic but it was a lot of fun luckily we didn't go down that party i would recommend you save often in the game because it does often throw an encounter at you that completely blindsides uh, blindsides you and if your character dies it's just 
game over, period. You don't have a restart or whatever. It's just game over. The restart is just loading one of your previous saves. So just save often. Um, also, your companions can die unless you turn that option off. So that's up to you at the beginning of the game. You can turn that option off or you can let them die. There's also a death's door condition that's like a middle ground. If you want your companions to be capable of dying, but not outright immediately, they can go into death's door first. And then if they die in death's door, they die for real. So there's kind of like a good middle ground there. If you want to have some high stakes, but you also don't want like just BS to kill your character, you want like a middle ground to just stop any potential BS from happening. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing the death's door thing so that like if someone gets knocked out and down and should have died, I have one more chance to like basically still save them. Uh, because sometimes they do that. You'll just run into an encounter that is way over-leveled for you, or just for some reason the composition of enemies that you're fighting is just just perfectly counters your party, and there's just very little you can do. Like wandering into a spider cave full of swarms of spiders that you can't actually attack unless you have area of effect magical attacks, or like acid, or like fire bombs, literally. Like that's, you can't stab a swarm of spiders. You can in 5e. In 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, you can. In Pathfinder and in uh, 3.5 edition of Dungeons and Dragons, you cannot. You can't just stab a swarm of thousands of spiders with a, a sword. It doesn't work. They're tiny spiders. But they can screw you up real good when you get bitten by like a thousand spiders all at once. And they're just oozing piercing damage, which isn't that bad. But then also poison and slowing you down and potentially just wrecking your whole game. You can fight them with a torch. You can swing a torch around and fight them with that. Um, the downside is when a, a large spider that you can swarm, uh, that you can stab, I'm sorry, a large spider shows up. And you could stab it, but now you're holding a torch, and it doesn't do a lot of damage. When you're fighting the swarms of spiders, it was great, because, you know, tiny spiders, not a lot of health. But now you got to fight a large spider, and you're swinging a torch around like an idiot, and that big spider's like, nah, man, we're just going to eat you. It wasn't a good time wandering into that cave early level, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, that was not a good time. Got my butt completely handed to me, and I did that was, that was in my first uh, campaign that I failed horribly in every possible way. Um was not a good time exploring that cave and just happening upon it. Also, were-rats? In my first campaign, I wandered into a cave and got TPK'd in two turns by some were-rats? What? I was not prepared for that. There was there was no way to. I wandered into a cave and then immediately initiated combat with were-rats. I couldn't avoid it or escape it. Man, it was terrible. That first campaign had some serious BS moments. In my second campaign, I know where the rare were rat cave is, so I just haven't gone there. I know where the spider cave is. I needed to go there for a quest, but I knew what I was doing this time and went in with a prepared party that was like leveled up and stuff. So that, that helped a lot. So at least that went a lot smoother. I knew how to avoid this. I didn't even fight the swarms. I didn't explore the entire cave. I just didn't need to and didn't wasn't interested in it. I was like, I'm not gonna do it. I know what I need. I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna get out. So the second campaign is going a lot more smoothly. It's a lot of fun. So if you're into, like, the D&D idea, fantasy, I'm not really selling this game super well in terms of, like, what you do in it. Uh, but it's just D&D, basically. It's Pathfinder, which is basically D&D. It's basically D&D. It's basically Pathfinder. It is Pathfinder in video game form with adventures and quests. You build up a party of up to six companions. Well, one of them is you. It's you and five other companions. You get to choose them. All of them have different personalities and stories that are heavily involved. They all uh, talk to each other and to you. And they all have different alignments. Like, it's not all good people. So you have good, you have evil, you have chaotic, you have neutral, uh, and, and, and lawful. You have all the whole gamut there, and they all interact with each other in interesting and fun ways. Eventually, uh, when you do overthrow the, the bandit king, you do get that barony, and there's like a um, barony management part of the game that is kind of like a kingdom management type thing where you kind of like choose where to build new villages and what buildings to put in your capital and there's like a whole barony management part of the game that i definitely recommend you do not ignore i re remember reading some reviews on the game and some people were, were rubbed the wrong way with the barony management and i think that's because they just kind of ignored it because they were more interested in the adventuring aspect of the game um i think when they bring up the barony uh management when they bring that up to you, there's a bit of a learning curve to remember, to like learn what all the screens mean and what all the information means. Take a minute to learn all that because once you've got it under control, it's not like you're doing it a lot all of the time. It's just stuff that you like set up 
and then it takes like days or weeks to do things like for the barony to do things and in that time you're waiting for all that to happen that's when you wander off and do the adventuring and just from time to time return back to your capital so you can give new orders it's not that it's not that hard you can lose the game if your barony gets like I don't know, conquered or something. I haven't gotten that far in the game myself yet. All I know is that the game warns you that, hey, there's a new way to lose the game now. And that's if your barony crumbles. So pay attention to this. There is a setting to basically um, take that option away if you want. You can set it up so that the barony takes care of itself and you'll never lose by losing your barony, you'll just never lose. It's one of the ways, again, to just make the game easier. If you're not interested in that at all, there is a setting that just takes care of that for you if you're so inclined. But I think it's more fun to like, be in charge of that stuff. You are playing an RPG. It is a role-playing game. It is fun to take on the role of Baron of these uh, strange wild lands and like see it build up before your eyes. I'm not very far along in that aspect yet myself, but it's a lot of fun, and I've been putting quite a few hours into it here lately over the last week or two and um definitely a game i recommend checking out but it is difficult so you know do some research look at it see if it's if it's the right type of game for you it scratches an itch for me that i am enjoying a lot but just one of those games i don't know if i can stream because it's very slow paced it's a lot of uh, role play elements a lot of reading um, that kind of stuff so i don't know if it works well for streaming so i haven't done that but i've been enjoying it on my own time that's my recommendation and we are right up to the end of my podcast we're i think out of time so i think we're gonna wrap up right there i hope you enjoyed my podcast uh my first half of it rambling about just whatever and the second half about what i've been playing i hope you've enjoyed this podcast if you did give it a, uh, give this podcast a review wherever you're listening to it or give it a like and a subscribe on the youtube channel so just do whatever you can do for this podcast share it with your friends etc but whatever you guys do i want to thank you all so much for listening and watching And until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and wash your hands. I'm out of here. Bye.